Today, my guest is John Jordan, and John Jordan is an SAP consultant since a while. And there is one aspect I think that is very important in the conversation that I will have with him. It's the knowledge sharing, the importance that knowledge sharing has in his career and in his vision as to how you can build a career in the SAP consulting industry. So I think this episode is important, not only if you are an SAP consultant, but any type of a consultant with regards to what you can do if you want to start in a new industry, uh, learning a new skill and uh, try to go to the top of that industry as fast as possible. So without further ado, let's start with John Jordan. Welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Diogen Tirandekura. On this show, you will discover the realities, the successes and the struggles of business management and information technology consultants in the fast-moving B2B world. So stay tuned if you want to know more about what it takes to have a consulting lifestyle. Hello and welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle, John Jordan. John, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. And uh, thanks for interviewing me, Dio. I appreciate it. I've been a follower of yours quite a while. And I, I love the way that you make people you're interviewing relaxed. And um, I'm hoping you can continue that with me because this is my first podcast. So thank you. <laughs> okay. okay, thank you. Thank you for the compliment. And uh, yes, I'll make sure that uh, you're uh, relaxed. And I think we have a lot of interesting things to discuss uh, yes. uh, together, John. So um, for the audience, maybe you can uh, start sharing in uh, in big highlights of your career story so far. Okay. Uh, I'd like to briefly tell my story as an SAP consultant. I've been doing it for about 20 years now, and I love it. I love doing it in the, in the FICO area. I was an engineer originally for about 10 years, and I wanted to try something else in Australia. And I did an MBA to start off with, and then I put myself through an SAP college in Sydney for about $10,000 for a week. It was a lot of money, but I knew that I wanted to do SAP. And after I did the course, I kept applying for consultant's positions in Sydney, and I eventually got one from a South African company. That was just start, starting up in Sydney and wanted some junior consultants. They brought the senior consultants over from South Africa and trained me up. It was kind of uh, cool. Then when I started with them, they put me through some training, specifically SAP product costing and FICO. And when I was in the sessions for a couple of days, when I was watching how they explained product costing, I realized that there was a lot of information. And I started sketching on a notepad the ideas that I had, how to simplify it. And I've can you continued to do that uh, my entire career as an SAP consultant. What I sketched was a bomb and a routing. And in fact, my latest LinkedIn posting was about a bomb and a routing. I've uh, found that the postings are doing LinkedIn by far the simplest postings are the best by far because people want to learn about SAP. It's complicated and they want to see it explained simply. And that's what I, I try to do every time. You've written an SAP book yourself, I think, Dio. So you've, I, must, you've got experience in that process, I believe. <laughs> Yes, I did. I did. It was not with SAP Press. It was with Espresso. That's okay. I did write a book about customer service and uh, you did uh, in the area of finance and uh, controlling. So maybe for the audience, uh, if you heard the acronym FICO, uh, you might yes. hear it a few times. So it's the abbreviation for finance and uh, controlling, cost control, uh, yes. your modules in, uh, in the SAP software. So, okay. So 20 years of experience uh, yes, so in Australia. I started in Australia for two years until I got enough experience to be an independent consultant. Mm -hmm. And then I uh, moved to America in San Diego and started my own company and I've been an independent consultant ever since. 
So the next question is, no matter where you are, you want to be an SAP consultant. That's probably the next question. How do you do it? So I have a recommendation. Yep. So I just told my story. I did a certification or a qualification. And if you don't have anything else, that's not a bad place to start. But it's not the end of the journey. It's the very, very start of the journey. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit on, on LinkedIn. I'm seeing lots of uh, certificates for, I've done the training for, you know, S4 Hunter in the cloud or something like that. And that's impressive. It really is. I don't know whether I would post that in my LinkedIn profile. I might, but I'd probably reduce the size of the certificate. Because when I look at somebody's profile, all I can see is the certificate, which is not a bad thing. But personally, if I was at that part of the journey, I would review my course notes and I'd distill the ideas that they were conveying. And I would take notes from my course notes and uh, find areas that interested me and then uh, create blogs on those postings. You've got the course notes, so you can condense the course notes into your own material. I freely admit I cut and paste quite often. However, I don't just leave it that. I reorganized the thoughts in what I cut and pasted into better structure than what I copied. The other way to do it properly is to read the material thoroughly and then put your thoughts on what they were trying to convey from a high level and create a blog posting from there. And if anybody needs some help on that, I'm glad to send me an email with what you've got, what your thoughts are, and I'd be happy to give you some ideas. You make a great point. That's a great way of uh, starting to create content on SAP topics. Maybe where it will be difficult is if a, uh, a consultant is pretty junior or has a certification before having any experience, they might have less confidence in putting part of the course notes and uh, making a link to uh, their job experience. Uh, okay, uh, let me share the, the rest of my story. When I started in Sydney, I was hired and I asked my manager, okay, I'm here which modules should I do? And he said, well, you're an engineer, you did an MBA, uh, you're going to do product costing. I said, great, what's that? <laughs> so um, I was on the bench for about three months, which was interesting, but it gave me a chance to really study it. Uh, nobody knew product costing then at all. So I didn't have anybody to ask. I just studied and studied and tested and tested till I could figure everything out. And for instance... Did you have product, a finance background? Was your MBA in finance? Mostly, yeah. I had other areas as well, like marketing, which is useful. <laughs> but yeah, I tried to make it finance. That was very useful. Good question. And product costing, you get used to figuring everything out yourself. So as a junior consultant, I recommend you take on that concept that you have to figure everything out yourself and to help other people all the time. The idea is that if you're helping people by doing anything, researching a topic, they don't know how this line in the sales order works and you say, okay, let me figure it out. And you do that for them. You research and you research and research and helping other people, you learn it yourself. And the other idea is that if you're helping as many people as you can, they'll do you a favor in return, maybe. And that's my thought with creating my LinkedIn posts and the books is to help other people. I think you had a question, Dio, about uh, becoming an author as well. Yeah, that, that's probably a good point. When I first came to the States, I was writing articles for Financials Expert. At the time, it was an online resource with blogs, basically. And I kept writing blogs, kept writing them. And all of a sudden, SAP Press sent me an email and said, do you want to write a book? We don't have any books on your topics that you're writing blogs about everywhere. And we need a book. I said, sure. What's the title going to be? And they said, well, you're the expert. I didn't pick all the product costing because it's way too big for the first book. So I picked variance analysis and that turned out to be a good choice. And when you're writing a book, you first of all have to create the title 
and then you have to create the table of contents. And the first thing you do in creating a table of contents is create the chapters. So in variance analysis, you create the cost estimate, you create the production orders, and then you post your actual costs, and then you post, then you analyze the variance on the production order, which is the difference between the, the plan and the actual costs. So that's the structure that you would need to do to write a book. However, to write a book, you have to become an expert and you become an expert by writing and researching all the time. It's a lot of work. It's a journey as you know, do you as an author yourself? <laughs> You had to build the example, uh, creating the production order, uh, having a Absolutely. plant cost enter. The, that is something. Uh, and sometimes, uh, I don't know how was the, the sandbox in which you could do it, but sometimes well, there's some setup that you have to do. Uh, yeah, if you're not working on a project, which is the absolute perfect uh, scenario, you need to get access to an SAP system, preferably. You can do a lot of research without it, but at some stage, you do need to get access. And then you do what you just said. You create production orders, sales orders, purchase orders and test everything you can and then write about it share your knowledge and when you're writing a blog i made lots of mistakes i did postings that didn't get any likes or interaction at all nothing when i first started out but after a while i started to figure out that people like good graphics and they definitely look like simplicity like uh i experimented this week on linkedin I just got 200 likes. I just had a graphic of a bomb and a routing. And I said, this is the basics of a cost estimate. And it was very popular. It's still gaining traffic. That's a great point. Using pretty complex concepts. Exactly. Same presentation. Exactly. Uh, Simplify it for people. That's our job is simplification. SAP is still trying to do simplification. And they're making progress, but um, it's not quite simplified yet. But uh, it's our job to simplify it for our clients and other consultants that we're helping because at some point we may need their help, no matter who you are. Yeah, true. To insist on the simplification word, it's also the name of the next generation of product for SAP. Eh? S4 is mm. simplification or simplified. It, it doesn't even matter. And S4 is for fourth generation, I believe. But that's the goal. And they're, the Universal Journal, where all the postings in the one table was the biggest step in like 10 or 20 years, that's what simplifies everything. And I think they should actually talk about that a lot more. But yeah. anyway, that's they're, they're trying. Yeah. How many books have you written? So the first one was on variant analysis? The first variant. one was variance analysis. And then the second one, I did product costing. The total, wow. that was a big book. That was a big project. And then I had a fun idea of, of creating 100 ideas for controlling, which I refer to all the time. It's got some great ideas. I've done a, a second edition of all three of those. And I think the big one, I'm, I did a third edition. And if I can plug my third edition of my variance analysis, I'm writing that right now with Janet Salmon to be published in January next year. It's exciting um, having Janet as my co-author. She's a, a world of information about the latest developments in SAP in the controlling area. It's amazing. Very lucky to have her as a co-author. That's amazing. And as well, so you, Sapress uh, reached out to you because you were writing blogs. So was it exactly. the same with regards you, to... I, I just wanted to mention too, Dio, that, that I get approached every day, many times a day. Do you have a job for me? How can I learn SAP controller? And my answer is always start writing blogs. It is the answer. And by that, I mean, you pick a topic that you're interested in, which is the most important thing. And then you start researching it on Google. You see if you can get access to it in the SAP system. And then you start um, putting your ideas together. And the same thing, short blogs are always better. Short, simple blogs. If I go browsing LinkedIn and I say, and I see, oh, this is 15 minutes to read. That's too much. I browse over it. I haven't got the time. I don't know what materials in it and I haven't got 15 minutes. You got to make it like five minutes to read yeah. with really good graphics that gets people's attention. 
And but there's a lot of work in that to go, as you're aware. To simplify is a lot of work. You have to keep working at it. And even by doing this uh, podcast, I am helping spread the word with Dio of SAP Consulting. Had he become an SAP consultant, I'm sharing some ideas that will help you. Uh, and if you have any more uh, detailed advice, please feel free to reach out. I don't have any jobs, but I've got lots of advice for you. <laughs> that you can provide. Yes. So I, I hope the audience understands that uh, John is very, very available to uh, answer any of your uh, queries around the, the SAP world. And to stay in the SAP world, so 20 years of experience, I assume you have done uh, several implementations. What have you seen? Because we know that a lot of SAP implementations are multi-million dollar project with a lot of teams, sometimes teams that are scattered geographically across different countries and sure. continents. It's not easy to be uh, successful in an SAP implementation. So what have you seen in terms of uh, success? What factors would uh, enable the odds of being successful in an SAP implementation? So as a consultant, part of a team, what have you seen in some of the consulting company implementing the system? Without a shadow of a doubt, the number one reason is always the highest level of management, full support that everybody in the company's number one priority is to implement SAP. And it's not quite as simple as that because the best people are working and we need the best people in implementation. So they need to be released from their day-to-day duty. And that's got to come from the very top of the company. You might actually need to bring in more people to take over their duties while they're on the SAP project. But that is without doubt the number one reason for a successful SAP and the other way around without top level support, it will fall apart unless there's a lot of work put in. It's really difficult to make good, meaningful decisions without the full support of the top level management. Yeah, that's key. I agree on that because if you're not ready or if you don't want to release some of your best uh, resources out of the day-to-day business inside the project, you find yourself having to work with people that are maybe less knowledgeable or sometimes even people that are new to the client company. And those people themselves, they have to try to get the answers from those A players or uh, A resources. Absolutely. You find also that, as you put it, A team has lots of influence as well. Decision needs to be made. They can call somebody and say, listen, we want to do this. What do you think? A junior player can't necessarily do that, but that's huge if you can do that. I totally agree. You've obviously been on a few implementations yourself, do you? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, both in Europe and in uh, Canada. And what about you? Because you started in Australia. Now you live yes. in the US. Do you see some cultural differences or differences in the way uh, we work in terms of uh, implementing the system? You know, nothing that comes to mind, Dio. Uh, mm-hmm. Australians are fairly relaxed and laid back. But I got to tell you, the implementation teams I've been on in the US, they've all been focused and want to get the job done, mostly. I don't notice a cultural difference between Australia and the US, and everybody's got the same aim to digitally transform the company under SAP. You need to do the same no matter which country you're in. That's a good question. There probably are some changes, but I'm just too busy on the project to take note of those changes. Um, okay. okay. And in terms of, because um, you have been working in a lot of implementation, I don't know if you have also done a, um, a lot of support. And when I say support, I'm not talking about the quarter post go live. I'm really talking about the months afterwards or the years afterwards to see what which business value the client has gained from the implementation. Also, you said that it's important for the implementation to have top level support of the top level management. Absolutely. Uh, what do you see as well for the client to really the business value that they wanted to get from the project? What do you see as well as factors of success? Well, when the implementation project officially finishes, there's still work going on. 
and they're still training being carried on. The implementation wasn't done perfectly ever. There's hopefully smaller things that people have to resolve. Hopefully, we've met the important key factors of automating the processes. You know, there'll be problem areas always like, you know, GRIR. Every company struggles with that and there's nothing surprising. And that's not the end of the world either. But as long as the company, the number one objective is the company stays in business after the implementation. And mostly, I think that's been true. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> so you have started two decades ago and now you are independent mm-hmm. and at the same time a bit business owner. Tell me how did you make the transition first from SAP employee, being an employee in a firm and uh, become independent and then uh, trying to become business? Oh, that's, that's a good question, Theo. Uh, I was an employee in Sydney and when I felt I had enough experience to go out by myself, it felt like jumping off a cliff that I said, you know what, I'm quitting I'm going to become independent. And then you're on your own. Oh, well, <laughs> to do the right thing. But back then there was lots of work. And I think there's still lots of work now. So you have to make the transition by jumping in. And I started a company here in the US as soon as I got here. And it gives you more flexibility. You can go corp to corp. And if I'm on a project and we need more consultants, I can bring those consultants in from a company. It gives me the opportunity to pick out only the best consultants, bring them in from a company. And that model has worked very well, mostly. And at the moment, I'm actually doing that successfully. That's great. Are you looking to bring in your company consultant like on a permanent basis or is more on a project or specific project? I would consider that, but mostly I bring in consultants as needed on a project. It's just easier. It gives everybody more flexibility, but I would consider employees in the right situation. I just haven't been there. I generally bring consultants in corp to corp and everything's, they look after their taxes and I look after mine. Everything's simpler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you said, um, so right after your training, you have been on the bench for three months. Have you ever been let on the bench for more than three months or involuntarily? I mean, if you take vacation, a break. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, happens all the time. Yeah. Um, mostly when things are busy, you just roll from one project to one project. But there are times when I mightn't try as hard as I should to get the next project and have a break. And that's okay. I have had times when I did want a project and couldn't get one. And that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Uh, in those times when I'm on the bench, I, I study and I write and I put out blogs. I've been putting out LinkedIn blogs. And by the way, when I say a LinkedIn blog, I mean doing a, a straight LinkedIn posting. There's a limited number of characters you can use. So I call it a mini blog, but you get to a very wide audience. If you just have a good graphic and keep the concept simple, I have 50,000 views easy of some of my, my simple um, blogs on LinkedIn. And at the same time, have real blogs on a server or in blog.sap.com, write blogs wherever and get them. They're a longer form, but the shorter form are more fun. For sure. You get immediate feedback on people liking it or not and uh, comments. Yeah, yeah, because people can relate pretty quickly and say, okay, I have experienced the same. Well, thank you. You actually solved something that I was searching for. And I think <laughs> the, the message in your answer is so important because you said, okay, you, you're always writing content, but still sometimes you're not uh, busy on a project. It's not yeah. like you're uh, just crossing your arms and waiting for a recruiter <laughs> to call you. you. No. You know, Never. just learning, sharing, learning, sharing. And I think that's a huge uh, message for a uh, consultant. A lot of B2B consultants are more like, okay, I wait for the next contract. Right. Or you're actually, you're proactive about it. And, and by the way, if you do good LinkedIn postings for months and months, you start to get attractions from people who need help in those areas. Yeah. And I get reached out to all the time from controllers or VPs. Listen, we've got this problem on subcontracting that you just posted on exactly our problem. Can you help us? That is 
applying for work by consistently doing good, simple blogs. You attract the attention of people you want to read your blogs. It happens quite a few times to me. So you never stop as an SAP consultant. You're always working, you're always researching, you're always writing, and I don't really have the quiet periods that you mentioned because I keep myself busy. And I'm I'm sure you you do too, Dio, you're successful in what you do. You're always working. Yes. Sometimes, uh, because we are also talking to people that are thinking about starting an SAP consulting career, uh, very often, uh, more in Europe than here, I have uh, heard the remark that, uh, oh, an SAP consultant doesn't have a life. What do you think about it and uh, about how to kind of balance uh, your SAP time and non-SAP time? Yeah, you do have to be careful with that because you can literally spend all your time working and studying. And sometimes you have to do that to break through. It's required, but you're right. You do have to keep the life balance as well as best you can. The main thing is to try and limit your traveling. And thankfully with COVID, now the uh, remote consultant is, is the most common. Uh, now, if somebody approaches me with a contract, if it's not 100% remote, I just don't take it. Now, if you need work a bit more desperately, you might do that. But yes, you do have to think about your work-life balance. That's a good question, Dio. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, we talk about the fact that remote now, it's uh, pretty common. So what do you think about there is the presence and the future of the SAP consulting industry? Oh, uh, it's a good question too. It's, um, it's very strong. As long as you do the things that I've just described and you you're always writing, researching, networking every single every way you can. The demand for SAP consultants will just get stronger and stronger because SAP is adding new functionality all the time. So that's the other twist. You can be a very experienced consultant, but you have to keep up with the latest developments consistently. You know, and S4 HANA has only just started being rolled out across the world. That's coming through in a huge wave over the next year or two, for sure. That's true. That's true. And also uh, related to that as well, in the software industry, you have a software that have a one year long license or three years long license, but companies that are uh, buying SAPs is for a while. (laughs) Also, there's unlimited demand of companies. Not many companies have a good implementation. Most companies have some problems. Most Mm -hmm. companies have more customizations than they they should or they'd like. Mm -hmm. And the trouble is when you get into that, that maze of customizations, it takes a lot of work to get back to a standard SAP. And I help companies a lot justify getting out of the customization maze and getting back to standard SAP. It's not easy coming up with that justification, but uh, there'll be ongoing work forever. On that. Yeah, you, you bring up a great point because a lot of companies want to buy SAP because SAP mm-hmm. has capabilities that no other product can provide. At the same time, and it's normal, a lot of companies feel that they are special, so they want a lot of customization. Oh, every so, company, yeah. Yeah. So you or, are, or certain individuals within those companies. And because of that, we have ongoing work, what it's worth, but that's most of the work because there's a lot of ECC implementations now and not every company is even thinking about transitioning to S4. There's a lot of companies still need their ECC implementation improved a lot. So there's continuing work there as well. It's interesting. SAP pushes, you know, the, the answer is S4 and sometimes it absolutely is, but some companies are still working on ECC and will be for many years to come. Well, until probably, what, 20,030 or something, something like that. Yeah, I think that's when uh, the support will stop for ACC, huh? but date might change. Recording yeah. it in uh, August 2022, maybe uh, the date will change. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. 
And in terms of uh, the clients with whom you have worked, uh, is there a specific industry, country, geography with you work, or it can be really anywhere? Oh, it can be really anywhere. Absolutely. It's an international program, 100%. Some countries have specific issues. For instance, Brazil, the material ledger is mandatory, right? And in Russia or other countries. So those and transfer pricing requirements are very specialized and that will be just ongoing. But so some specific countries manufacture in a low tax regime that they export to the, they incur higher costs by the higher transfer price and send the products to the higher tax country to minimize the tax. That's country per country. Yes, definitely. In the US, you can see all of the above. In Australia, you can see all of the above. And I, I imagine Canada as well. Yeah. And uh, what you said about, for example, uh, taxes where you have uh, some, let's say, tax optimization strategy, we mm. see that a lot in uh, European implementations because yes. Europe is, let's say, full of different countries with different regulations. And uh, yeah, a lot of big companies, they make those decisions in terms of where they will put their headquarters, yeah. where they will make the manufacturing, etc. That's all strategy. Absolutely. So we have spoken about the future of the industry, a bit of your uh, career story, uh, SAP FICO. You started with uh, FICO, but if you had the choice, let's say today, and uh, you can restart SAP and not choose the end. You can't choose, let's say, FICO. Is there another uh, module that uh, you will have uh, chosen? And, uh, and why? Well, that's a good question. What module should you start out on? And that's one of my new blog postings coming up. You'll see uh, you do have to make a choice. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it matters that much. The main thing is that you have an interest in that. You know, if you're a production engineer, to go into production uh, manufacturing in SAP is a logical choice. If you're an accountant, going into FICO in SAP is a logical choice. You have the skills in that, that area to back you up. I took the incredibly difficult path of going from an engineer straight into FICO and learning FICO and SAP at the same time. I studied 12 hours a day, seven days a week for years to get over that hurdle, but it paid off in the end. I messed up my lifestyle in that time, but I needed to put the work in. I think it was worth it. But that's a great question. What module should I start in? And you should definitely ask around a lot. Ask experienced consultants, and I'm happy to answer questions on what they think. And it's mainly where your interest lies and where your existing experience lies, mainly. Mm -hmm. Good question, though. Mm -hmm. Great, great answer. And then uh, one last question, uh, John, is uh, so we're on the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. So uh, yes. I'd like to know for you, uh, what does uh, having a consulting lifestyle mean? It's creating a work-life balance. It's easy for me to work all the time doing the things I just described. But I do definitely have a schedule where I, I take time off. I don't work eight or 10 hours a day every day. Some days I regularly take like, take like a, a Wednesday afternoon off and spend it with my friends. You do. I think it's important never a schedule like that and not get caught up in the working all the time. At the start of your career, it does take more hours to come up to speed, definitely. But it's kind of like an, an investment of your time. But as you get more experience, then you should plan to take more time off. And it's tough if you're getting paid well on a project, take a month off working on vacation. That's a lot of money that in, in consulting fees. It's a decision you have to make yourself. And, and the only person who can make it is yourself. But you need to consider it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So uh, thank you. Thank you very much, John. Uh, I believe it was a great interview. And I think uh, it's the first interview in which I go a bit deeper into the uh, an SAP topic. So yes. uh, thanks very much, John. And uh, thank I'm you. looking forward to have another one with you. Absolutely. Thanks to you. Thanks. Uh, one last thing is, yes. if people want to uh, reach out to you, where can they find you? On LinkedIn is probably the best way. Um, the best you can find me on LinkedIn fairly 
easily uh, connected uh, with Dio. If you look for me on LinkedIn, it's probably the best way, or Jordan at erpcorp.com. Okay, thanks. Thanks very much. We'll make sure that Thank we uh, put that in the show notes. Yes. And, uh, again, as I said, yeah, hopefully we can do another one uh, soon. Absolutely. Love to. Thanks, Dio. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. Leave a review on iTunes if you have enjoyed the episode and subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified to hear other episodes with your host, Diogène Tirandekoura.